Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, listeners. I'm so glad you've tuned in today. We're continuing in our study of the Gospel of Mark, dictated by the Apostle Peter, and we are going to dive in today to chapter 13 right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay. We are back in our study, and boy, I wish I could just copy. I'm sitting here in front of my notebook because I am by nature a tactile person, and so I actually have a notebook where I study and I'm taking apart the scripture, trying to dig in and see what's here. I'm trying not to read in, but to dig in two different things. Reading in means I go to the scripture with a predetermined idea of what I want it to say and and let that sit on you for a minute because that is very vogue right now. A lot of whole congregations are based on that kind of a reading of scripture. I know what I believe. I know what I want. I know what I want God to be. I know what I want God to do for me. And so I go to the scripture and I lay that on the scripture and it's easy to twist scripture to say something that it frankly does not say. And so in this study of Mark, as I'm preparing for our time together here on the podcast, I am really seeking the spirit of the Holy God to come and show me what's here, not what I want to be here, what other people might have insinuated or taught this here, but what's actually here. And that's actually what I want to encourage you to do as you approach scripture. And that is sit down prayerfully seeking the Holy Ghost 
direction and instruction as you open the Word of God, that He might teach you the Word of God. Now, having said all that, I believe there's only one meaning. There's not 14 meanings. This is one meaning from the passage that the author, having been inspired of the Holy Ghost to write down these narratives, that there's one meaning for us to glean. There may be a variety of applications depending on where we are in our life, but there's one meaning, right? And it's, I don't believe it is as obscure as sometimes we want it to be. I think it's often very clear. We just don't like it. And so as I have been studying, I've got this whole notebook just full. And part of me just wishes that I could just copy it and give it to all of you because there is just so much here that God has taught me. But more than that, more than wanting to sit down across from you with a cup of good English breakfast tea and a scone, which would be glorious, and really go through all of this, my desire for you is that you'll have your own notebook and you'll have your own marked up Bible and you'll, you will be able to celebrate all that God is teaching you as you dare to sit down and dig in and lean into the truth of his word, as you seek the the Holy Spirit's teaching on your life as you dare to actually understand what God is saying in his word. Yeah, so I have all of these notes even today as I've studied, you know, over the weeks to prepare for today. I'm trying to put it in an order that would make sense to you, that would make sense to me. And there's just so much for us to discuss here in chapter 13 And again, I I pray that you'll go over to rachelcarmen.com and grab the study guide and and diligently dig in to God's Word and read the passage over and over and over, maybe in a couple of different translations. Really try to seek the truth of God's Word, not your truth overlaid. What is God saying? What did Jesus say? What did the other people around him say? What, where was their thinking wrong? Where was their thinking right? And how can we learn from the circumstance and the situation and the person of Christ? That's what I'm hoping for our time here. And so just by way of review, we've been talking about the Gospel of Mark, and we talked about how it was dictated to John Mark, who wrote it down. The dictator was actually Peter, and we studied him previously. And we've talked about how we hear Peter in this gospel. We hear the immediacy, the passion of Peter that was so characteristic of who he was. And we adopted an outline. I adopted an outline from the book Talk Through the Bible, which is an excellent resource if you've not had a chance to pick that up. You can pick it up, I know, at Christian Book. And it's a great tool. It goes through all 66 books of the Bible and just gives you an outline, key verses, all of that. So I adopted their outline for our study. And it's very simple. It's five parts. The presentation of the servant, because Christ is presented by Peter through Mark, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as the action-oriented servant of God. This is Jesus on the move. That's why we've talked over and over about the number of times, forty. I think it's 42 or 43 times in the Gospel of Mark that the word immediately is used. And the point is that Jesus was on the move. He was action-oriented. He was doing things. And his example is what we're supposed to do. We are not in a passive walk with the Lord Jesus. We are to be active in our faith. We are 
to be about the business of God. And moms, I want you to be encouraged as you change that diaper or make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich or drive that carpool. You are active in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And dad, if you're listening, as you go to work, as you interact with your employees, or you interact with people who maybe work for you in some capacity, maybe they're mowing your lawn, right? As we go to church, as we interact with people at the UPS store, right? All of those are things that we are doing to engage the world and to offer them the hope of Jesus Christ. Just as we live our lives with joyous anticipation of what he's done, is doing, will do, that is our ministry. That is us being active as opposed to just sitting back and hoarding all of the blessings that we've been given. So, again, the first part of the outline is the presentation of the servant. We meet John the Baptist. We're introduced to the Lord Christ. Part two is the opposition of the servant. And don't miss this. Almost immediately after he's presented, he's opposed. And it's very interesting, and we weren't able to really dig into this. Why is that? (laughs) Why is it that the Messiah, who had been anticipated over 400 years of silence after the last of Malachi in the Old Testament, the last Old Testament prophet in the Old Testament's Malachi, John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets, but he's in the New Testament. But over that 400 years of silence period, they're anticipating, looking forward to Messiah, and then he comes. And they oppose him. And it is interesting to wonder in our own lives when we are searching and seeking and desiring more than this world can ever offer us. Why is it that so often when the Lord Christ shows up, we oppose him? Why is that? And there's lots of examples in this part of the study of the book of Mark, all these different reasons of opposing Christ. And it's, it's a good practice and a good exercise for you and I to consider why is it that we oppose his truth in our own lives. Part three is the instruction of the servant. And this is where Jesus is teaching. He's instructing. And here, it's also interesting to dissect it a little further down. Yes, all of it is his instruction, but then it's different groups of people. So you have individuals that are instructed. You have the inner circle of the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John. You have all of the disciples. You have the masses, right? All of these different groups of people that Jesus instructs. Part four, rejection of the servant. So it starts out as mere opposition, right? But as the following of Christ grows, as his reputation grows, it goes from opposition to flat out rejection. And that's where we are this week. We're right in the middle, actually, of this whole rejection part of the gospel of Mark. We have two more teaching sessions of that before we get to part five, which is the glorious part, this celebration part, and that is the resurrection of the servant. And that's The hope of things to come in the next few weeks. But today, we are in Mark 13. And like I said a minute ago, we want to look specifically at the verbs associated with the Lord Christ, the action-oriented servant of God, the God-man, right? 100% God, 100% man. He came. He knows what it's like to be on this planet. He knows what it's like to be tired and overwhelmed and exhausted. Mom, I need you to hear that. You need to know that Jesus gets it. 
He gets it. He understands that total, complete exhaustion, those sleepless nights when you just feel like everybody wants something from you and you've got nothing else to give. You need to know that Jesus gets that and he meets you in that. When you can't even go to the restroom without a kid following you, right? Jesus gets that. He understands and you need to know that. In our passage today, Mark 13, 1 through 37, there are three, and only three, and other weeks there have been many, many more than this, but there are only three verbs associated with actions that Jesus took in this chapter of Mark. He prophesied, he sat, and he warned. And so I think you can see, even though it's a very short list of things that we see him doing, those are truly significant. And we're going to take those apart just a little bit. But I do want to remind you that my objective is twofold. One, I want to show you that the Word of God and the study of the Word of God is doable. You can do this. You really can do this. It's not complicated. It really means you and your Bible and the Holy Spirit sitting down and daring to dig in and to seek the truth of God's word on your own. A notebook and a pen, that's what I use. Those are the, those are the primary tools that I use. And, and frankly, those are the only tools that I have used to develop this study to bring it to you because I have wanted you to see how doable this is. That's my first objective. My second objective is I want to inspire you. I want you to catch a vision for not just how doable it is, but how glorious it is. I want you to come and meet with the Holy Spirit of the living God and learn his truth on your own and be so excited to study again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and to teach your kids how to do it and to share with your friends how to do it because it is the word of God that is transformational. The spirit of the living God within us transforms us. In the words of Jamie Smith, it recalibrates our souls for the things of God. And that's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. We're supposed to be transformed into the image of Christ. And as we dare to spend time in his word, that's what happens. So as we continue on today, the phrase that Jesus says several times in here is twofold. And it depends on what version of the Bible you look at. So be on your guard. So that's one. And the other one is be on alert. So those two are kind of interchangeable. And so that's what he says several times in our passage today, and as you take time to study and read through it yourself, I want you to mark those because I think that is an arresting phrase for the Lord Christ to say. And I think that is the point of this chapter is Jesus is saying to his disciples primarily, and actually specifically, it's the inner, it's the inner circle. Not surprisingly, we pick up on that in verse three. Um, that it's Peter, James, and John specifically that he says this to. Then you and I need to know that. You and I need to be on the alert. We need to be on our guard. We are to be engaged and, and not passive and not just whatever, but we are to be engaged. So picking up in verse 1 of 13, and remember, The chapter breaks in the verses are not inspired of a holy, mighty God, and sometimes they're unfortunate. But you'll remember in chapter 12, which we did in our last time, we had this 
bookend that is not included in the Gospel of Mark, but we have it in the Gospel of John, and that is Jesus cleansed the temple for the second time. So after the triumphal entry, Hosanna to God in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, when Jesus enters on the donkey into Jerusalem, he goes and he cleanses the temple, and my Father's house will be a house of prayer. That's what he says, right? And this, we know, is the second time. If you Again, we don't get that in the Gospel of Mark, but if you study the Gospel of John, he, does, he cleanses the temple in the Gospel of John. We get that at the beginning of his ministry, and here we see he does it at the end. So these two cleansings of the temple serve as bookends to the ministry of Christ. So don't miss that. And then... Capping off chapter 12 is this moment, this glorious, glorious moment when Jesus actually sits, and I won't reteach this, but go back and listen to chapter 12, when he sits and acknowledges this beautiful moment, this beautiful moment that takes place with a widow at the end of chapter 12. And so as much as I want to chase that again, I'm not going to go back and listen to that. So this is where chapter 13 picks up is after that, after the second cleansing, after this moment that he highlights to his disciples with the widow, we get chapter 13 and it begins like this. As he was going out of the temple, one of the disciples said to the Lord, teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what a wonderful building this is. Okay, so they're walking out of the temple, and the disciples are like, whoa, look at this. Isn't this glorious? Isn't this just wonderful? And the disciples are all caught up. And I I think you could read it a couple of different ways. They're seeing this seriousness of Christ. They're sensing that there's something perhaps ominous, and they're like, oh, wow, look at how amazing this is. And Jesus responds like this in verse 2. He says, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And the disciples are like, whoa, what in the world? And then it's as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, so they continue on opposite the temple. Peter, our man Peter, who's always the one to speak up, Peter and James and John and Andrew, it says here, were questioning him privately. So they pulled away. And they're questioning him, tell us, when will these things happen? Now, I want to pull back and I want to review for you the perspective that the disciples had on who Jesus was and the perspective that Jesus knew he was. And we'll do that right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? 
There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay, so I want to go back, and I, I think it's important to note that at this moment, Jesus has just prophesied that the temple is going to be torn down. And the disciples were like, okay, when's that going to happen? Now, this is really an interesting moment, right? Because you'll remember in Mark 8, 9, and 10, three times in this gospel, Jesus prophesies his suffering and his death, saying that it's necessary, right? You remember that. And we've taught all three of those times. And you remember at one point, Peter's like, yeah, no, right? He is offended by it. This can never be. Don't know. I don't even talk this way. And Jesus is like, you need to get behind me because you don't get it. You're not paying attention. Here again, we see that resurgence of the disciples thinking they know what Jesus has come to do. And and what it's important for you and I to understand is they thought Messiah was coming to overthrow Rome. And, And it's really important for us to get this. They thought he was coming as a revolutionary the first time he came. What you and I need to remember is that the first advent of Christ, he came as redeemer. Our redemption, our sin debt had to be done first. Jesus had to go to Calvary first as the perfect lamb of God to shed his perfect blood to pay my sin debt and your sin debt, right? That had to happen first. And here's the deal. That was revolutionary. A sinless man bearing the sin of the world on his shoulders. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And the Lamb of God stretch out on the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt. To reconcile us to God because there was no way for us to cross the chasmic divide that separates us from a holy God because of our sin, except the cross of Calvary. And he came to do that. He came to redeem us, to reconcile us to God. And it was revolutionary, but it wasn't the revolution that the disciples were hoping it would be. They wanted to be compadres with the revolutionary. They wanted the overthrow of Rome. And so when Jesus starts talking about what they interpret as a revolution here and now, they want to know, yeah, when's that happening? When's that happening? This is really a powerful moment because unlike the other three forecasts of his suffering and his death, which it doesn't seem like they wanted to hear anything about, When he starts talking in revolutionary language, they want to know what he's talking about, and they want to know when that's going to happen, because that's what they think they signed up for. That's it. And so he's saying this is all going to be torn down. They are like, when? Because they're thinking about revolution. And then then Jesus, he starts warning them, and he says, beware of three things. And And I'm going to challenge you. Go in and read this. He says, beware of three things, deceivers. Division and destruction. 
He said, these are three things that, that are going to happen. And you need to be aware of them. And then this is his actual instruction to the disciples. It's like they are, they are dialed in, man. They are paying attention. He says this to them. Be on guard. Don't worry. And don't forget. Be on guard against deceit. Boy, that will teach to you and me today. You and I need to be on guard against deceit. And the best way I know how to be on guard against deceit is to be students of the word. Because it is very easy, it is very vogue, and it is prevalent today for those who insist on being experts in Bible teaching to twist the truth, to tickle the ears of hearers. They know what we want the Bible to say, and they know it makes it popular, them popular, personally popular. It gets them more likes when they can twist scripture to say what we want it to hear. We like that. And right here, Jesus says, "Mm, be on guard against deceit. Number two, don't worry what you're going to say. He says to them, and this is the thing that you and I need to be aware of. If you and I are going to study the truth of God's word, if we're going to proclaim the truth of God's word, if we're going to live the truth of God's word, we need to know verse nine, these are the words of Christ, but be on your guard for they will deliver you up to the courts and you will be flogged in the synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. You want to know what's to come? The people of God who dare to live the truth of God, who dare to proclaim the truth of God, are going to be delivered up as a testimony to them about those who dare to live as Jesus would have them lived. You want to know what's going to happen? This is what the word of God says. This is what's going to happen. And Jesus says, be on your guard against deceit. This is what's going to happen. And then he says, when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry. (laughs) Really? You and I are given to worry for a lot less than this. And he's saying, yeah, don't worry beforehand about this. Don't, Don't worry about this, about what you're going to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. If you want to be prepared for that day, then this day, today, and tomorrow, and the next day, you and I need to be preparing ourselves by being in the Word. Because that day's coming. That day's coming. When we're going to stand, because of how we live because of the truth that we embrace and we embody. And we're going to be asked to give a testimony for what we believe. And he's going to give us the words to say, I believe based on our preparation for that day. Now, do we need to worry about it? It says, no, don't worry about it because it's going to be given to you. And it's given to us by the Holy Spirit. And finally, he says, don't forget. Don't forget. He talks in verses 14 through 23, all of these things 
they're going to happen. Don't forget, these are the things that are going to happen. But he says in 23, but take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't forget, I warned you about this. Don't forget, Peter will later write in First and Second Peter, yeah, don't be surprised about these things. Don't be surprised. You and I too often pull back and recoil from living what we know to be truth based on God's word because people don't like it and they're offended by it and they don't like us and they reject us and we lose friends over it. We ought not be surprised by that. I'm not saying to go out and beat people up with the truth. We're not supposed to do that. Merely living the truth is offensive. And he says here, don't forget. Don't forget. Then in verse 24, he starts talking about the return of Christ. And I just want to boldly suggest to you the point in verses 24 through, let me see, 27, right? The point is a lot less about all of the different signs. It's not, I want to boldly suggest to you about the signs or the specifics. It's about his call to live soberly. Live soberly. The temptation is to live a life of escape. Either we we swing the pendulum, right? We actually are so engaged that it ignites all of our anxiety and all of our worries because you know what? We are in a messed up, broken, chaotic, confused world. And it's really easy for us to turn on any number of screens and listen to any number of podcasts and get ourselves all worked up in a dither, right? That's one extreme. The other extreme is to stick our head in the sand and refuse to know what's going on. It refuse to acknowledge the brokenness. And get this, not just the brokenness of what everybody else is doing, but how I have personally contributed to it. Because we all contribute to it. It's my sin and your sin and everybody else's sin that's got us into this mess. And right here, the call in this passage is soberness. You and I need to be soberness of the reality of the infection of sin. We're in this mess because of sin, individual sin, community sin, cultural sin. And there's only one solution, the person of Jesus Christ. The saving power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the solution. The second key key to this passage, the first key is it's not about signs or specifics, but about being sober. The second key is found in verse 31. When Jesus said, heaven and earth, get this, this is the climax. People focus on the stars and the moon falling and the the moon and the sun not shining and all that. We get distracted by all of that. I'm asking you not to get distracted by that. I'm asking you to focus on what he's saying we actually can do, right? So first, be sober. The second key, I believe, is heaven and earth are going to pass away. The specifics and the signs summarized are that's going to pass away. But Jesus says, my words will not pass away. You and I need to focus on the words of God, the words of Christ, his teaching. We need to take heed. We need to pay attention. We need to be alert. We're not going to know when. We're not. 
going to know the specifics of when. And, and I believe that the enemy wants to distract us and has distracted many with trying to calculate and watch for all the wrong things. We need to do the next right thing. The next thing, in the words of Elizabeth Elliot, the next right thing that the Lord puts in front of us, being kind, being considerate, extending the love and the grace and the mercy of God to those that we come in contact with. We need to live sober in light of the fact that this earth is going to pass away. But the words of Christ, they will not pass away. You and I must be on guard. We must be alert. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.